God is good, isn't he? It's good to be together, isn't it? Good to gather. God's faithful, isn't he? We don't judge by what we can see, right? We don't judge by feelings. We judge by eyes that God has given us in our spirit, man, huh? Who knows your body will die? That's a fact. There's only two facts in life, right? It's been said, and that is death and taxes. We will die, but we don't die, do we? Just our body does. Our spirit man was alive in our mother's womb, right? Science tries to say that you're not a human being, but my Bible says that I was formed in my mother's womb, that he knew me before I even was. And that same spirit that was formed into this body that you see here and the bodies that you're sitting in, that same spirit will continue on for eternity. Amen. And so we must learn to actually live like we believe that and to see like that, to think like that. That's the mind that we need. Amen. I want to get into his word. Who's ready for the word of the Lord? This is a part seven. We've been looking, we've been going through Kings chapter 17, 18, and 19, and the story of Elijah. Who loves Elijah in our Bible? What an amazing man. Uh, that really there's only those there's really only a few chapters about him um, there's not books written about him it's not like David who wrote the Psalms and this and 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 it's such a huge story and yet the book of James which we springboarded from tells us that this man who was a man I just want you if anybody in here is a human being go ahead and raise your hand anybody in here human anybody human so whoever didn't raise your hand now you know who the aliens are, right? They said we're going to get disclosure. There they are. Um, so the Bible says that he was a human just like us, and yet he had connected with God in such a way that this earth was bypassed. Remember, Jesus walked upon the waters. There, it was water just like it is water to us. Jesus didn't change the physical properties of the water. He just bypassed its properties and walked on the water. And the Bible says Elijah bypassed the physical properties of this earth and prayed and it didn't rain and then prayed again and it rained. And so we've been looking. That was kind of the spark to, these, to this seven-part um, series that we've been doing, going just going through his life. Who is this guy? And then we... For the last few weeks, we've been really looking at his humanity here because he got burdened. The Bible says in 1 Kings chapter 19, verse 1, it says that when Ahab got home, he told Jezebel, even if you don't know the Bible, everybody knows the name Jezebel, right? Even the world knows Jezebel. They know that's not a good character, right? She is a name that just kind of symbolizes evil, right, and darkness, Satan's, you know, uh, mistress of the earth. And so Jezebel, uh, she sends a message, verse 2, to Elijah. May the gods strike me and even kill me if by this time tomorrow I've not killed you as just as you've killed them. And the Bible says, verse 3, that Elijah was afraid. The same Elijah that prayed the rain to stop and prayed for the rain to come. The same Elijah that uh, called down a called, called upon God, and God rained down fire from heaven and burned up 
the offering in front of everyone. The same Elijah that was fed by the raven and learned to trust God drinking by the stream and learned to trust God with the widow uh, providing for their needs. And this same Elijah was afraid and he fled for his life. Because Elijah trusted God, but he was also human. Aren't you encouraged that God uses humans? That means that God can use us in this room. Amen. That means if God can take a man and have his prayers be so powerful to literally hold back the weather for three and a half years, but the same Elijah also had fear and was afraid. And what we were looking at in the last couple of weeks is that he fled and he went into the wilderness. We talked about the wilderness last week. Verse 4 says, He went alone into the wilderness, traveling all day, and he sat down under a solitary broom tree and he prayed that he might die. He was so discouraged, so distraught. He said, Lord, I've had enough. Take my life, for I'm no better than my ancestors who have already died. Now, we've been talking about how these were actually lies that had gotten into his mind. Just because he said that, it doesn't mean that's what God thought. It doesn't mean that's what the truth was that had just gotten into him. And he had basically, we talked about this was the straw that broke the camel's back. We don't know when this day comes, but for every human being on earth, at times in your life, the straw will break your back. And what happens? We run, you know, we, we get discouraged. We go into the wilderness. We just say, Lord, I've had enough. I don't want any more. Every single person has been there, right? We've all been there. And if you haven't been there yet, you will be there following God. At some point in your life, you're going to tell God, I quit. And God's going to come and do what he did for Elijah. He doesn't answer that prayer. Aren't we thankful that God doesn't answer every prayer? Aren't we thankful that sometimes God says, uh, I've got this situation. You might be praying. You might think that it's over, but it ain't over. It's not over. And just because you think that, it doesn't mean that's what I think. And so God does not answer this prayer, but he supernaturally provides him with heavenly manna. And he gets him through his wilderness. Everybody say, God got Elijah through his wilderness, right? We looked last week how it was actually a six-week journey. It should have only taken eight days to get to this cave that we're about to read about. But it takes him 40 because most likely scholars agree that he was wandering for some time. He took some time to get to this place and... The Bible says, though, that God gave him what he needed to survive this journey. That's what it says, right? And we looked at how the angel of the Lord was most likely Jesus himself. It wasn't just an angel, but Jesus came, Old Testament, met with Elijah, gave him a supernatural meal, and he said, otherwise you won't be able to make it. So Jesus saw ahead what he was going to go through and gave him the tools, gave him the strength, gave him the abilities to get through what he was going to go through because Jesus could see the end from the beginning, and he met him there. Amen. And in fact, when God gives us a word, and when we get discouraged and we get into struggling, we know that we're doing what God's called us to do, God will sustain us until he gives us another word. We need to know that. And if you feel discouraged, you feel kind of out of whack, we need to know that God has not abandoned us, that he has given us, we looked at it, 1 Corinthians 10, 13, that everything we need is in him. He will sustain us. There is no, there's no path that God has not also provided a way of escape for us. 
And so finally, all of that leads up for this week to verse 11. God says, Elijah, go out and stand before me on the mountain. (laughs) Who knows, when you read this verse, when you read those words, who knows God's about to deal with you. When God says, I want you to go and stand before me. I want you to go and stand before me on the mountain. I think I'd be afraid. Who would be afraid? Who would be excited and who would be afraid? If God's like, I want you to go and stand before me. I know I've been wandering. I know I wavered. I know I did some amazing things for God back here. But for the last weeks, I've been kind of out of whack. And now God spoke to me and says, I got some things to say to you. I don't think I'd be excited. I mean, I'd be excited because it's God. But I'd also be a little afraid. What's he about to tell me? And so the Bible says, we know these verses. If you know your word, you know what happens here. But we're going to read it. The Bible says, in a mighty windstorm. Actually, let's just, let's back up. Let's read it, all the words here. As Elijah stood there, so he was obedient to the Lord. You know, sometimes when God speaks to us, God says, all right, I want to speak to you. We don't want to hear his voice, and we plug our ears. And we must, even if it's not what we want to hear, we must get before the Lord and say, yes, Lord, whatever you need to say to me. So many times I feel like God's got something to say to us, but we're afraid. And what happens? The world has already said it. Let me go get cleaned up first, and then I'll come back to God. And they never do. Or years and years of their life are wasted. We just get before the Lord right away and say, yes, Lord. And as Elijah stood there, the Lord passed by. Now, this is very interesting. So we know that it was the Lord. Doesn't say that Satan passed by. Is anybody confused with those words there? Who passed by? The Lord. The Lord passed by. So it's the Lord, but it says that there was a mighty windstorm that hit the mountain. It was such a terrible blast that the rocks were torn loose. But the Lord was not in the wind. Everybody said the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. Verse 12, and after the earthquake, there was a fire. Well, this is quite an experience Elijah's having. Who would like this experience? Now, who was afraid when you went and just stood there? And now literally the mountain around you is falling apart. It's literally cracking. There's a, there's a windstorm that says the rocks are torn. There's a terrible blast. The rocks are torn loose. There's an earthquake, and now it's on fire. If I wasn't afraid before, I'm afraid now. Oh, God, I have failed you. <laughs> Forgive me, Lord. I don't even know what I did wrong, but I'm sorry. And the Bible says, though, and come on, we love these verses. Who loves this story? The Bible says, but the Lord was not in the fire, and after the fire, there was the sound of a gentle whisper. You may know it as a still, small voice. And it went something like this, Elijah. All that chaos, and he heard, Elijah. When Elijah heard it, He wrapped his face in his cloak and went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. And a voice said, 
what are you doing here, Elijah? And he replied, and we looked at these verses just briefly last week to build up to this week. He said, and I believe that he was probably uh, pretty distraught. This has been a long journey for him. He's been in this thing. He battled for this nation. He said, Lord, I trusted you at the brook. You literally made me eat out of a bird's mouth. A bird literally brought me food, and I trusted you, God. And then I went to the widow like you told me to do, and I trusted you, and I dealt with Baal. And he's like, Lord, I've zealously served you. Remember, even Jesus, even Jesus on the cross, to truly have a human experience, he said, Father, why have you forsaken me? He wasn't forsaken, was he? Was Jesus forsaken? But to truly have a human experience, even Jesus experienced full humanity to feel forsaken by God. Who has felt like you trust God, you follow God, and somewhere along the way, God abandoned you? Somehow you're on your own. And the thing is, it's not true. And God's about to tell him that. Amen. But he said, I've zealously served you, Lord. But the people of Israel, no matter what they see, no matter what we do, you can hold back the rain and release the rain. We can deal with the bales in, in this magnificent display of power. And no matter what we do, all they do is break your covenants. They've torn down your altars. They've killed every one of your prophets. And I'm the only one left. And now they're trying to kill me too. Who knows, he was probably pretty upset here before the Lord. I don't believe he pointed his finger at God, but I believe that he poured his heart out to the Lord completely <laughs> open. And just this, okay, Lord, we've been avoiding, we've been avoiding, you know, I, I, I said just kill me, but okay, God, you want to hear it? Why I'm here? God, what do I need? Why am I calling on you? This is why. Now, I have a few things I want to take away from this. Who loves that the Bible is filled with relevant lessons? Who loves that the Bible, this is a 3,000-year-old story, and it's just as relevant today as when it was written. God is not just in big displays of power and miracles. I want to say that again. God is not just in big displays of power and miracles. You can go through your whole Bible, look at what God did for the Israelites delivering them from Egypt. And as soon as the big miracles were gone, what did they do? Go right back. Like we want God to be so big and so powerful all the time. And that is who he is. But as soon as it doesn't seem like that to us, we get discouraged, and we turn. I'd say there's a lot that could be said about what's happening here, but what I want to focus on is that God spoke, and Elijah heard his voice. I want you to say that out loud. God spoke, and Elijah heard his voice. I would say that that's the most important thing to take away. I'm going to open this up a little bit here today, but the most important thing to take away is that God wants to speak to us. 
And it doesn't matter where you're at in your life. It doesn't matter if you've been faithful or unfaithful. It doesn't matter if you are uh, discouraged or encouraged. God wants to speak to us. God is, God cares about every single detail. It's a lie from the devil that God doesn't care about you. It's a lie from the devil that God's abandoned you. It's a lie from the devil that God was with you so far, but you just did one too many things wrong, and so now you're on your own. These are all lies from the devil. The Lord loves us. He's with us. The Bible says that he never forsakes us. He never fails us. And so who believes the word of God over the words in your mind, or the, the words the devil speaks to you, most importantly? The most important thing to take away from this is that the word from God came and it's about to recharge Elijah to continue on in the plan and purpose God had for him and God's people. God's word is really what we need to be recharged. When we get discouraged, there's one answer. Who has found that answer? Who has found that even though your flesh is like, the Bible's not going to help me right now? Who has had your flesh tell you that? Who's had your flesh say, a Bible story is not what I need right now? And yet, who has forced yourself to do it anyway? You sit down, you open your word, you're like, fine. You even have an attitude, fine, God, fine. I'll read the Bible. Because you're that discouraged. I'm not saying that you should ever point your finger at God. I'm just mean you hit that point, you're discouraged. You're frustrated with, it doesn't seem like anything in America will ever change. It just gets worse and worse and worse. And all the praying, and they just turn from God even more. They tear down more of his Ten Commandments in the courthouses. They mock him more. The, the news gets worse. Netflix is now NC-17. It just gets darker and darker. It's not R anymore. It's literally pornography that everybody has in their home. But it's okay because it's not called pornography. It's called Netflix. We've changed the name, so now it's okay. And who gets discouraged sometimes that that's where it's going, and if you don't accept it, you're the weirdo and you're crazy, and you can feel like Elijah. You can feel like, Lord, just take me home. I don't want to be here any longer. Nobody cares about you. Nobody wants you. And you know what? You are here for a reason and a purpose. I need you to say that out loud. I am here for a purpose. Let me tell you something. The day that God wants you to come home, he's got it prearranged, and he will take you home. I promise you there's one. I can't promise you many things, but I can promise you one fact that one day you will take one last breath. And God's got it preordained. It's prearranged in time. Doesn't mean you don't have a choice. It's just because God's outside of time. He already sees the end from the beginning. You're still making the choices, but God sees it, and so you don't need to worry. I just felt like the Lord really, if I could just, before I even get more into the sermon, if I could just sum this up today in one thing is that it's not our job to save anyone. It's not our job to save this world. That's the Lord's job. That's the Holy Spirit's job. You are just an ambassador. You know, have you ever heard the phrase, don't kill the messenger? Who's heard that phrase? You know where that came from? Who thinks a messenger or two got killed to create that phrase? Okay? The messenger's job was to take a message and to bring it to someone else. All right? And sometimes 
But see, they hear the message and they put it on you and you feel that weight, right? You feel the weight. Who feels the weight living in this world as a believer? Like the more, the darker it gets, the more uncomfortable it will be for you in this world. And that's a good thing. You know what's happening is, is there's actually a strange thing happening, and the church is trying to become like the world to make you more comfortable. And see, you know, it actually was God that when you went into a church and you had sin in your life, you felt like people were judging you. Nobody was, but that feeling in you is because the Holy Spirit was convicting you. Thank you, Lord, that you did that to us. You were supposed to go into a church and feel like the sermon was a little piercing to my heart. Because the Lord wants what's best for us. And so that's happening, and that's not the answer. The answer is that we need to set our eyes on Jesus today. Just during worship, I actually was thinking just seeing Peter, actually, because, you know, there's the wind in this story and the chaos, and I'm going to talk a little bit about that right now, but the answer to the chaos is Jesus. The wind and the waves don't stop. Remember when Peter walked in the water? Not just Jesus. Who remembers? Peter walked in the water, too. Peter was not the Son of God. Peter was a human being. But when he set his eyes on the Son of God, he was able to do what Jesus did. He actually got power and authority, and he wasn't seeking for it either. But he reached outside of time and space and outside of reality, and he became superhuman and walked on the water towards Jesus. And who remembers the scriptures? What's it say? It says, but Peter began to look around at the wind and the waves. And in the Bible says he began to sink. The answer is that we need to set our eyes on Christ. And actually, I hope you're encouraged today. That's what uh, that the Lord is about to remind Elijah. Listen, don't focus on all the evil that's happening in the earth. Don't focus on the ones that are cursing God. Focus on the ones that are still looking to him, and he's going to prove that there's more than one. Who knows the story? I can tell you right now. We're going to read it in a minute, but the, he wasn't alone. The Bible says that he preserved. There was still 7,000 others, even though he felt all alone. He was not alone. God's word is what we need. We don't need to water it down. The uncomfortableness is okay as long as you know where to go. When you get uncomfortable, we run back into the arms of the Lord, whether it's something in us that's happening or it's around us, the answer is always to go back into his word and find our comfort in him. You will not find comfort in anything else. In fact, I caution you that if you're finding too much comfort in something that God has not given you, it's time to turn back to the Lord in a serious way. The second thing I'd like to take away from this is that God was not in the wind or the earthquake or the fire. Now, I don't think that it's scripturally sound. See, I've heard it said that that God's not in those things. That's not how God speaks. And I don't think that's true. I don't think it's scripturally sound to say that God can't manifest himself in those ways. God showed up in fire more than once. Who knows that? 
Who knows that God showed up in fire more than once in the Bible? Many times. In fact, his presence was fire leading them through the wilderness after Egypt. In fact, God shows up in a fiery way like fire in Acts 2. So before and after, God does show up in a fiery way. So just because there was fire on the mountain but that wasn't God doesn't mean that God, that can't be God. You guys get that. Also, second thing is that he was not in the wind, but God actually shows up with the sound of a mighty rushing wind in Acts 2. So just because he wasn't in the wind here doesn't mean that God's not in the wind. And multiple times the earth shook. You can go through your Bible. Multiple times the earth shook at God's voice and his presence. God can and still does show himself in big and grand displays. I want you to try to say that out loud. God can and still does show himself with big and grand displays. But this time, God was in the still small voice. Sometimes God does something huge. Sometimes God does something big. They looked and they literally saw the Israelites had been led from Egypt into the wilderness, and God was literally there in a pillar of fire. Sometimes that's how God shows up, and who loves when God makes it obvious? We all love that, right? We're looking for signs from the Lord. Dawn was like, my heart, the Lord's like heart healthy. She looks at a box of Cheerios, it says heart healthy. The Lord showed her a very obvious direct sign, big and bold, right in front of her face. We love those times where God makes it obvious. But other times, there's so much chaos, and I believe that what the symbol of this whole story is, that sometimes we need to sort through the chaos and the craziness and find God's still small voice. Sometimes we need to just say, that's not God. That could be God. God showed up like that. God showed. It's so important because I believe that it's not by accident that God comes, his presence comes and there's a wind and earthquake and fire because Elijah had literally just experienced the fire of God just moments ago. It's not moments, weeks ago, but we're reading, flipping the page, right? You flip it, the page, and just a moment ago in your reading, there was God in a fire. And I believe it's so important that God did those things because he was teaching Elijah something, and he's teaching us something today. That it's great when God leads us in the big and the powerful ways, and he does these magnificent miracles in our lives, but sometimes God just speaks one still word to us, and we need to learn to just sit back and say, that might be God, that might be God, that might be God. I've seen God work in those ways, but that's not God right now. Sometimes we need to sort through it and find the voice of the Lord. And the thing is, you'll know. Who believes you'll know? When you hear God, who has, who has been in the chaos, you're not sure where God is, and then suddenly God speaks, and you say, that's it. That's the Lord. I've got it. That's the voice of God. I've been trying to find him, been trying to sort through it. In fact, I've heard it said it's kind of like a radio dial. You know, God's voice is always speaking. You know, the radio is on right now. You don't hear it in this room. It doesn't mean it's not on. 
And there's tons and tons of stations, all different styles. It's on right now. You just don't hear it because we don't have it turned on. But just because I turn it on doesn't mean you're still going to hear it. We have to tune to that exact frequency. And I'm not trying to get new agey here, right? But there is a voice of God that's traveling amidst many voices. I'm not talking about being schizophrenic. I'm talking about all the voices that you hear in your mind, right? Who hears voices all the time? You know, I don't, I, you know, you hear all these different things. This is what's happening. This is who you are. This is what you'll be. This is what you'll never be, etc. right? You have all those voices flooding you all the time, and the Lord is speaking constantly through it all. And what we need to do is learn to sift through it, and that's why I was just reminded of Peter again today. He was able to sift through the chaos, and once he got his eyes on Christ, he was able to walk upon the storm. Amen. We have to sort through the noise and the chaos sometimes to hear God. But the moment we hear him, we are still and we are in awe. Something I read uh, speaking about this scripture is it says this. It's a little commentary. He is often found gently whispering in the quietness of a humbled heart. And really that's what Elijah did, didn't he? I don't believe he pointed his finger at God. I think he was very frustrated, but I think he just poured out his heart to God. You know, you humble yourself before God. I know for a fact, first of all, my Bible says it. That's enough. Secondly, I have lived it. The Bible says if you humble yourself before the Lord, he will lift you up. I promise you, because I've done it a million times, that I humble myself before the Lord, and I... It's maybe not that exact second that I do it, but God will speak or show me what needs to happen or be done. Amen. So, the quietness of a humbled heart, it says, are you listening for God? Step back from the noise and activity of your busy life. Who's a little busy? Who finds yourself getting busier and busier in our, in our lives, in our modern world? We're so busy, we don't have time to be busy. Try to wrap your head around that. Step back from your busy life and listen humbly and quietly for his guidance because the Bible, uh, this commentary says, it may come when you least expect it. He's looking at all these displays that could be God, that might be God, and then just this voice speaks, and suddenly now everything else is just put to the side. I also see in this moment, I felt so, I, don't know, I was just writing these, these notes for these scriptures. I just feel the heart of God. I also see this as the gentleness of God. I see God is a big God. Who believes God's a big God? I mean, he is powerful. The Bible says that, the, that heaven is his throne and the earth is his footstool. He is a powerful God. He's a big God. The Bible says he just, out of his mind, he just spoke, and it was. And yet, David says, who am I that you are mindful of me? God is so big, and he is so powerful. And, and I, I promise you, for all you New Yorkers who just celebrated a victory last week, <clears throat> If you don't know what I'm talking about, then uh, I'll have to tell you after because I'm not saying it in the microphone. We all prayed last year, Lord, you're going to have your glory. I said, Lord, you're not going to be mocked. 
I went out like many believers did and said, God, no way. You are not going to be mocked like this. You are all-powerful. You are mighty, and you, your name will be glorified. And I don't know when. It may be after I'm long and gone, but one way or another, no one will mock my God and point their finger at my God and say that he didn't do it. And look what God did. Who's encouraged? In one way, we could be out of the fire and into the frying pan. And that's why we keep praying. Amen. Don't stop praying. Amen. But I see a loving father here. He is so powerful, but he's also gentle to his children. I just see he's like Elijah. I just hear it. I hear it. I hear him speak with such tender love to him. Elijah. Not just a whisper. I wasn't just being silly, but just, hey, hey, calm down. Who does that to your children? Who's ever had a friend or, you know, but especially a child? They get so excited. Calm Calm down. You're not yelling at them. Calm down. Relax. And we can't. And the Lord's just like, Elijah. Elijah, I've got this. I've got this. I promised, I promised Elijah this is not the end. I have not suddenly lost my throne. My throne was not toppled over by Jezebel. It may look like it right now, but I have not lost my position in heaven. See, Elijah had learned to rely on God for so long, and he had, his faith was built up to this pinnacle moment. He saw fire coming out of heaven, and he burned up the, it burned up the offering in front of everyone. And by now, everyone knows that it didn't rain, but Elijah prayed because he, he told Ahab. So, I mean, it's public knowledge now that Elijah had just prayed the rain back in, and he had learned to live a miraculous life, and he had learned to see God in these big miracles. And the thing is, I'm not knocking big miracles. I want to see big miracles, too. Who in here wants to see God do big miracles? But if we don't pay attention, or if we're focused only on the big, we're going to miss the small miracles. In fact, the Lord did it to me for me just to show me that he cares about every detail. I was driving somewhere, and I needed to be there by 5.30. Now, it wasn't like I was asking God to make up time that I didn't have. It was just... I had plenty of time to get there, but everything, traffic was crazy, the lights, whatever, and I needed to be there by 5.30. And so it was just a quick little thing. I just said, wow, if I get there by 5.30, then it would be a miracle. I'm telling you, it wasn't 5.29, and it wasn't 5.31. When I pulled in the lot, and I know that God did it on purpose, because it wasn't that God cared so much about that exact moment, which I believe he did, but he was showing me that he cares about every single detail. The fact that I challenged it and said it would be a miracle, God said, challenge accepted. Because I want to show that I care about every single detail in your lives. We think God is only in the big stuff, and all the little stuff gets, you know, our lives, we're just like pawns on the chessboard, and that's just not true. God's not just moving big players around in heaven. We're not just pawns to God that we're just disposable. God cares about every single detail in your life. And I thought that was so special that he did that. I knew right as soon as I saw it, because I was like watching the clock, and I was like, 
oh my gosh. It was almost like time froze. I was like, this is not possible. And when I was pulling in, I was like, you know, you're almost like trying to make it change just to see. And as I pulled in and it doesn't change, and I'm just like, I just stopped for a minute and I said, wow. It was just a wow moment because God was showing that, you know what, he is right on time all the time. Remember that old phrase we used to say in Christianity? God is right on time all the time. We think God's late. We think God's abandoned us. We think, where are you? What are you doing? You're not watching what's happening. And God is very aware of what is happening. And it's the still small things that God really wants to emphasize in this time. Until we see the next big thing, we need to actually start to just focus on the little things that God's doing all the time. And this is the greatest display of his power. Do you know what it is? The greatest miracle and the greatest display of his power is the sound of his voice. I started to focus on this, and I was like, wow. And I was like, now my mind starts racing. I write down these words, and I'm like, wow. And now my mind's going New Testament, Old Testament. Who, who has your mind when you're studying sometimes in the Word? All of a sudden, it starts going like a pinball machine. Because you're like, this means that, and that means this. And all of a sudden, you're con start con your God's connecting some dots and you're like, wow. I immediately, I turned to John chapter 6 because I was like, Lord, I remembered there's, some, there's some, a few things that happen like this. In John 6, we don't have time. I have the whole, you can guys can read it. It's in verse 1, John 6 verse 1. And there's little blips that kind of lead all the way up to verse th uh, 36. But just quickly, what happened is, is that God is doing all these miraculous, Jesus is doing all these miraculous signs and he's healing sick. And they're like, man, look at all these powerful things he's doing. And then what happens is, is they come to him and they say, uh, hey, uh, you know, show us a sign, do something, prove yourself. And Jesus tells him in verse 29, John 6, verse 29, this is the only work God wants from you. Believe in the one he has sent. Because they said, you know, show us a miracle. We want to do miracles too. And he says, the only thing I really want from you is just to believe me. You know, that's where all the miracles come from anyway. Elijah just believed God. That's how he was able to do what he did because he believed God. He was a human who believed God. He says... But then they said, well, why don't you show us a miraculous sign like, uh, and, and, and Jesus says, I'll tell you what, verse 32. He says, Moses didn't give bread from heaven. My father did. And now he offers you the true bread from heaven. The true bread of God is the one who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Sir, they said, give us that bread every day. And Jesus replied, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry again. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. But you haven't believed in me, even though you have seen me. So this, this little blip in John 6 is that they're telling Jesus, show us a miracle. They're like, Moses you know, he brought down bread from heaven, and Jesus goes, no. 
It's not all the big miracles. The greatest miracle is that you just believe in me. The greatest miracle of all is just believing in me. Every other miracle comes out of that. Every other thing, you just believe in me. That's it. Moses, he says, didn't bring down bread from heaven. God did it. Wow. It says in Matthew chapter 12, verse 38, it says that one day some teachers of religious law and Pharisees, they came to Jesus and they said, Teacher, we want you to show us a miraculous sign to prove your authority. And Jesus replied, Only an evil, adulterous generation would demand a miraculous sign. But the only sign I will give them is the sign of the prophet Jonah. He says this again in Matthew chapter 16. And Luke chapter 11, verse 29 he says, this evil generation keeps asking me to show them a miraculous sign. The greatest miracle and the greatest thing that God can do for us is to speak and that we believe him. The greatest miracle was that Jesus spoke. We have his word. When we believe his word, belief in his word is all that we need. All that Peter did on that water was believe Jesus. When he looked from side to side, you know what was happening? His belief began to fade. That's it. It's very simple. When he believed, if I keep my eyes on Jesus, I can walk on water. That doesn't make sense. But as soon as his senses came back, as soon as he got in his own head, right? As soon as he got here and stopped believing his word. And so... That still small voice, God speaking to us, that, that voice that we crave really has already been given to us, and it's his word. Jesus said it's the bread from heaven. You can go through your word. You can do a study that the bread from heaven is our word, the Bible that we have today. And the Holy Spirit, who has, who has had this happen, you are reading his word, doesn't feel like anything's happening, but all of a sudden when you need it, the Holy Spirit brings a scripture and it just becomes the forefront of your mind. And that scripture is a word from God. We call that a rhema word because it's a, it's a word in season. It's for the moment. Suddenly, that word encourages you and supercharges you. And you know what happens? God comes and says to Elijah, just very quickly, let's, I'm going to close here, but I just want to read these verses. If I don't read it, it's not going to lead up to this whole thing. So finally, he says, he says, in verse 15, the Lord tells Elijah, he says, I want you to go back. Isn't that interesting? I want you to return. Maybe your translation says, go back, return the same way you came. You know what I find incredible is that once we get a word from God, no matter if we gotten in the wilderness, no matter if we got in our head, no matter if we got discouraged, that God will come and find us he will encourage us. He loves us, and he gets us back on the path. And you know what he does? God takes time. Here's, here's where you, you lost it, and here's where you are now, and you're going, all this time has been wasted, and God says, we're just going to sandwich that together, and we're going to return you to the very place where you left off, and I'm not going to count that or hold that against you. I want you to go back to the place where we left off where you were before you came out here, you got your word, I'm with you. And he says, when you get there, 
I want you to anoint Haziel to be king of Aram. I want you to anoint Jehu to be king of Israel. And I want you to anoint Elisha to uh, replace you. And so the Bible says, finally, in verse 18, And by the way, Elijah, remember all that ranting that you're alone? You're not. Because there's 7,000 others. Even though you feel like you're all alone who have not bowed down to Baal or kissed him. You are not alone. I'm with you. And you know what, God, this is such a powerful thing. Do you know what this, this response from God was? This whole buildup. You know what's happening here? God is actually giving Elijah a preview. God is breaking down the lies that he had built up in his mind. God is showing Elijah that he has a plan. And finally, God is commissioning Elijah to give him a fresh outlook on the purpose for his life for his last run here. And he puts him back on track. And basically, the Bible says, you know, we know the Bible says in Galatians, don't get discouraged. Don't get tired of doing what is good. Don't get weary in well-doing. Because that's where the enemy wants to make you feel like your life is worthless, that nothing good is happening. It's just getting worse that the, the society is getting worse, less and less people want you, God. Everything I see is getting darker, but God wants us to focus on him because you know actually what God says? Aram and Jehu and Elisha, Elijah never saw any of this happen in his life. Elijah actually doesn't get to see it in his own eyes. Sometimes you are like, an acorn that gets put in the ground. And 200 years from now, there's a great oak. I believe what the Lord was speaking today, if we can finalize this in one thing, is that you need to focus. You ready for this? Focus on faithfulness, not on results. I'm going to say that again. Focus on faithfulness, not on results. Only because Elijah humbled himself. God does not need to tell us anything. He doesn't have to. He's God. But because he humbled himself, God gave Elijah a preview. I know, Elijah, your heart is not for me to judge. That's not why you came to me. But I'm going to judge the people. That's who the king of Aram is. I'm going to deal with Jezebel and Ahab and their entire lineage. I'm going to wipe them off the face of the earth. That's who Jehu is. And you may think that you're just, you are no better than your fathers. That's a lie. Elisha, you are, you are um, uh, gosh, what's the word? Not predecessor, because Elijah's the predecessor. Your mentor, he's going to be double you, but only, he can only ask me for double. Because you laid down the groundwork and the path. You laid down. You gave your life. Elijah, I want you to focus on what I've given you to do. You don't focus on the results. I'm God. You just stay faithful. I'm giving you a preview that I'm going to finish what I've started. I'm going to deal with the evil in this land. I'm going to raise up others that will take over what you have, the life you've given and the price you've paid. It, have, it has not been for nothing. 
every little thing that you have gone through, everything that you did in faithfulness, I've seen it. Every time that you said a kind word, every time you laid down your life and you didn't have to, the devil's trying to burden you and crush you, but I need you to know now, Elijah, but that I've seen it all. I've seen every single thing. I've seen every evil and I've seen every good. I'm God from above and I look down and I there is nothing I don't know and nothing I don't see and every single thing will be dealt with. Every single evil, if they refuse to repent, will be dealt with and every single faithful thing you've done, I will further it into the future. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Who's encouraged by the Lord? Encouraged by his word. God is with us, isn't he? I mean, I'm a broken record, but God has a plan. I know that that's the most cliche Christian thing we can say, but it is true. God has a plan. He has not given up on us. He has not failed us. And we need to take our eyes off of what's happening in 2021. We need to put our eyes back on Christ. Just put our eyes back on him. Whatever's going on in your situation, whatever's going on in society, whatever's going on in this nation, and we just say, Lord Jesus, we're just going to make it a prayer right now. Lord Jesus, we thank you and we praise you that you are faithful. There's nothing that you are not aware of right now. And we pray, God, that out of your heart of faithfulness and, Lord, from your mercy seat, that you would give us grace and mercy. And, Lord Jesus, that we would not, Lord, be judged but, Lord God, we would have time. Lord, you would give us a further reprieve, we pray. And, Lord Jesus, I pray that we'd be encouraged in this room, and whoever's listening to the podcast, that you'd be encouraged that the Lord is with you. Your life is paving a way for more. You don't even know what God is about to do through the price that you've paid. We just thank you, Jesus, and give you glory. Amen. Amen. Thank you, God.